This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi and welcome to The Straits Times Health Check. I'm your host, Joyce Teo. It's October, which is the ADHD Awareness Month, and we're going to talk about this condition called Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is characterized by developmentally inappropriate levels of inattention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. The COVID-19 pandemic can be particularly challenging for those who have ADHD. ADHD is a neurodevelopmental issue. People with ADHD have problems with paying attention when bored, with impulse control, with sitting still or keeping quiet when required. They can be very disorganized. They struggle with time management. They can be hypocritical of themselves, for instance. But there's always the good side to it. People with ADHD tend to be creative. They are empathetic. They're curious. They're generous. And while there's no cure for the disorder, it can be successfully treated. So today we're going to talk to Moon Lake Lee, the founder of Unlocking ADHD, the first site in Singapore that aims to unravel the mysteries of this condition and help everyone appreciate the strengths of individuals with ADHD. Hi, Moon Lake. Thanks for coming on Health Check. Yes, hi, Joyce. Thank you for having me. Right, so congratulations on the October 1st launch of your website, Unlocking ADHD. Was well, an interesting name considering ADHD is a disorder and some people don't even believe that it is a real disorder, right? So how did you come up with a name for the site? Well, Unlocking ADHD's mission is to empower ADHDs and their families to live life to the fullest. So we use the word unlock because we really want to unlock the hidden potential in ADHDs and help them identify their strengths. Um, we believe, again, that you know, the strengths are there, but because you know, they are either unaware or unmanaged in terms of the condition, and that's why there's a lot of limitation to their potential. So why did you start the website? Well, two words capture why we started Unlocking ADHD, and those two words are hope and gap. Um, hope, because we really want to give hope to the ADHD community. Um, you know, because with a diagnosis and management of ADHD, one can really change the future trajectory of the individual especially for kids and teens. And, you know, it goes personal as well. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed at age 15 and she was pretty much failing out of school at that point in time. But less than three years later, after diagnosis and management, um, I just dropped her off in the UK. Uh, she started dental school last month. So it's a huge difference in just three years, just because she was diagnosed and we could manage the condition. And I believe that she's not the only one like that. There are going to be other kids out there and we would love to be able to try and do something to change their situation. And the second reason is because it's a gap. Um, there really is a gap in information and also execution when it comes to ADHD. Um, information in the sense that if you suspect that you have ADHD or if you're recently diagnosed and you want to find out more information, if you Google it for Singapore, right, you really don't get much um, useful information because you will only see advertisements about clinics or just maybe one page for the hospital websites. Um, somebody who wants to know what next, you know, um, who should they see, you know, how do they live, you know, is there a support group? The information is not so um, accessible to them. So that's one. The other gap that we're talking about is execution gap. Uh, we're finding that, you know, for people with ADHD, one of the issues that we have is self-regulation. Um, it's very hard to be consistent to like, you know, get things done. So there's a lot of support needed. But when we see uh, professionals who are wonderful, um, you know, we're expected to, you know, after the appointment to go back and practice what we learn, almost like a physiotherapist kind of uh, analogy, right? You know, they, they help you to do the soft tissue stretches. It's supposed to go and do your homework. But the reality is that very few people uh, do the homework. So it's always going back to square one, always going back to square one. That's just nothing changes. So we want to do something about this so that people can progress and grow. Right. So you mentioned your daughter. How did the diagnosis help her? Then? 
you know, what did she do in that three years to make the change? Well, the first thing was because there was a diagnosis, we knew what was the situation. Before that, we didn't know. And at one point, she thought she was actually stupid. You know, and if you had asked her at that point, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to study? She wouldn't be able to tell you. But once we knew what was the situation, we could look up what ADHD was and, you know, learn all about it. Um, you know, she had a, a psychiatrist that saw her and provided her with some medication that helped her to focus. And that helped a lot because once she could focus, she could actually do well in school. So that helped a lot in her self-esteem and that gave her hope to aim higher. Um, we also were connected with a, a pediatrician with a background in developmental and behavioral pediatrics. And she also helped us with certain strategies and things that we needed to do. Um, she connected us with a executive function coach who helped my daughter with some of the daily kind of skills, you know, like say planning her time better, timetabling, being very focused in terms of how she approaches her studies. Um, I have to say, though, that there's also, of course, a lot of family support. Um, and she herself put in a lot of work and the school was amazing. So it really is like a kampung kind of thing, you know. Uh, it takes a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Right. You mentioned self-regulation. ADHD is also something that adults have. You know, how has the pandemic affected people with ADHD? Would you say it's more stressful for them? Um, yes, uh, for sure. In terms of the how, how COVID affected ADHD, you can see it in two groups, students as well as the adults. For students, because of the move to um, online learning, uh, it's been harder to engage with the material being taught. And so because of that, a lot of learning was lost, not just for the neurotypical kids, but particularly so for kids you know, uh, with ADHD and other conditions. And of course, for adults, right, there's this um, lack of certainty um, and then all the routines are gone. And to make it worse, right, when adults are at home, they not only have to get the work done, but they have to supervise their children as well. So there's a huge feeling of overwhelm. And we found that at least anecdotally and from what I read as well in other countries, there actually was an increase in ADHD diagnosis during this period. Um, it could be because, again, all these things that maybe people could mask or, you know, cope in the past, it just sort of came to a head and, you know, that's why they came forward for a diagnosis. Right. Makes sense. So would you say, you know, for these people, um, some people listening in, they, they may have uh, ADHD, but they don't know. So what would you say would be the best thing? I mean, if they look at the side, would you say it's best to get a diagnosis? Uh, yes. And, and interesting that you asked this question. Um, one of my volunteers was doing an infographic for us recently. And according to what she found, about 75% of people with ADHD are actually undiagnosed. They really have no idea they have it, yet they have the symptoms, right? because there's mm-hmm. such a lack of awareness. Um, however, there are some common traits you know, for ADHD, uh, including, again, the two main types of presentation, hyperactivity or inattentiveness. So it could be hyperactive in terms of verbally, right, or in terms of thoughts, not being able to focus, very scattered. It could be in terms of just difficulty in organizing oneself, you know, chronic lateness for appointments and just a sense of um, not fulfilling one's potential. I mean, there's so many um, different aspects to this condition, but if there's anything like that and there's been a certain pattern that's very consistent throughout their life, their career education, then perhaps it's time to look a little bit deeper. Um, I would say that the first thing is if they are going to the restructured hospitals to go and see a polyclinic doctor to get a referral, if they're going private, you know, to see a psychologist for an assessment or a psychiatrist, um, and then really find out once and for all, right, whether that's what has been the underlying issue all along. Get something conclusive. And if it really is ADHD, 
um, it actually is not the end of the world. Uh, Dr. Edward Hallowell, who's one of the uh, foremost authorities on ADHD, who's a psychiatrist and an ADHD, he said actually the day of diagnosis is actually should be one of the best days of one's life because things should get better after that. You know, you know what you're coping with, you know what you're, you're dealing with, right? You should be able to get the help you need. So medication is not always indicated, particularly for adults, but definitely is one of the important tools to consider to manage the condition. So if you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the Health Chat podcast for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. Now back to my conversation with Moonlake Lee, the founder of Unlocking ADHD. Right, and Moonlake, you mentioned, I mean, you've spoken about your own diagnosis as well, right? You know, how has it changed your life? Are there some things that you do differently before and after diagnosis? I think the most important thing for me um, was that it really gave me a sense of acceptance. Um, in the past, right, um, I, I used to change different industries and careers. And my husband used to say, hey, you know, how come we can't stick to one thing, you know? Um, and, you know, I was always chron- chronically late. And so, of course, it will stress him and then, you know, the tension will flare. So one of the best things about the diagnosis is that not just did I become more self-aware and accept who I am and not think there was a character flaw somewhere or something, but also it helped in our relationship. Uh, I think there was more compassion um, on his part, more understanding. And I think it also gives us... Um, a certain alignment in terms of the way we communicate with each other. So that was an unexpected benefit of getting diagnosed, I think. And secondly, now that I've accepted it and know my flaws and all, right, I think beyond acceptance, the important thing actually is to embrace it. And that's what we're doing, not just me, but the folks at Unlocking ADHD. We believe that there's too long um, an approach to this where we are feeling a bit shameful or embarrassed you know, and we feel a certain stigma. But I think it's beyond that now, I think we should really look and see who we are, what our strengths are, and then embrace it because there's a lot of strengths of people with ADHD. Um, I just found out recently on a conference that the guy who, um, the scientist who invented the PCR test, right, who passed away recently, he actually has ADHD as well. <laughs> so what the message that we want to share really is, you know, people with ADHD are capable of so much. They're so creative, talented, bright, you know, we just want to really unlock that you know, help them unlock that because right. they really have a lot to contribute. Right. How about those people who they are not ready for a diagnosis yet? They don't want to see the doctor. Um, they want to like, you know, maybe go to your side and help themselves. You know, are there things like, you know, time management skills or uh, yeah, something else that they can pick up? Yes, uh, on the Unlocking ADHD website, you know, we have a lot of information. I believe that we probably are the most comprehensive website right now in Singapore for things related to ADHD. We have a section on understanding ADHD, another one on living with ADHD. And the content really is targeted to three different groups, families, youth, and adults. So it really you know, covers across different aspects of life. We also have links to support groups. Uh, so we currently have a Facebook support community, and we are thinking about rolling out the virtual support groups based on demographics the next couple of weeks. Um, we are also going to be launching um, group coaching sessions. So these will all um, help people get the support that they need to live a better life with ADHD. Right. So you mentioned we. So who are this group behind the website besides yourself? Uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, it started with me. So it's mm-hmm. me, myself, I. But of course, you know, no one can do something like this on their own. So a lot of help is needed. And uh, aside from me, everyone um, is a volunteer. We grew from uh, 
five volunteers in May to 30 in June, and then we went to 50 in July. Uh, really grateful, is, but it was quite stressful to manage so many. But it's because people just felt that alignment and that resonance. Half of our volunteers are psychology students, um, and the rest are working adults. And, uh, you know, the website was built in about six to seven weeks, really ground up, community driven. And the interesting thing about all the team is that 40% of the team have ADHD or suspected to have ADHD. So this website that we have is really an example of ADHD strengths done right. <laughs> interesting. Okay. So you mentioned all the um, group coaching, right? You said that virtual yes. support group. So these are, who are these people leading the sessions? Uh, we have um, some individuals who have a background in parent coaching and also working with youth and adults. So um, we, you know, they, they themselves either have ADHD or have children with ADHD. So it's not just the professional skills that they have or the so-called work experience, but it's also the lived experience. Um, nothing really beats lived experience too, right? Because there's a lot of empathy as well. Oh, okay. So these are like for kind of like general sessions, not necessarily only for ADHD people, right? I think we're going to start off predominantly for the ADHD community too. But executive functioning not just affects people with ADHD, people with autism, also like say younger people, because the prefrontal cortex of the brain, uh, which regulates executive function, isn't really mature until the mid-20s. And even then, um, adults also have problems. I think they call it adulting, right? So people mm -hmm. with problems adulting probably can benefit from executive function coaching as well. Right, okay. So actually, I mean, given that you have ADHD and you're doing this, right, you know, are there some, um, you know, what tips would you give to people with ADHD or those who suspect that they have? Are there some mistakes that they make along the way if they haven't gotten a diagnosis? Um, I think the biggest thing about someone who you know, has ADHD but, you know, maybe has not been diagnosed is probably a sense of frustration. Again, you know, because they're probably going to hear over and over again, either from family members, teachers or colleagues, it's like, wow, you have so much potential or you're so smart. How come you're not living up to it? And it can be a very, uh, very, very damning kind of um, down kind of feeling, you know, when you hear that. And actually, there's articles on research that shows that if you have undiagnosed and unmanaged ADHD, um, it actually can have quite a high individual, family and societal cost. Um, you know, people not able to keep a job, um, not managing their finances properly, not being able to stay in a stable relationship, or in terms of the younger people, right, not being able to access their learning and therefore not being able to, to do well in school and having the opportunities close to them. Um, there are research studies that say that about 25% or so of the prison population has ADHD. And uh, one of the uh, American um, researchers in ADHD, his name is Dr. Russell Barkley, he even said that it could affect um, the lifespan. People with ADHD, which with unmanaged ADHD actually, could have as much as 13 years shorter lifespan. Wow. So there really are a lot of reasons that if you suspect you have it, you know, why not just go for a checkup? It could make right. the difference between an okay life, if you're mild, and a wonderful life, or if you're in a more severe situation, right? Really a transformation. Because we're all living longer nowadays, right? So, you know, like myself, diagnosed at age 50. I have friends who are diagnosed in the mid-50s, you know, the late 40s. It's not the end yet. I would say do it sooner because mm -hmm. um, the earlier it's diagnosed, um, the more uh, runway you have in terms of life. And also left untreated and undiagnosed, other mental issues come in. You know, anxiety, depression, self-harm, all those things. And we can avoid all these. 
um, ADHD is supposed to be one of the most treatable conditions. So really, it just makes sense to, to go for a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. What would be the most, um, you know, when you look, go down the list, right, and then see whether you have ADHD and need to go or should go for a checkup? What are the key symptoms that people should look out for, right, you know, when they're deciding whether they should get a diagnosis or not? Well, some examples, right, would be in terms of hyperactivity, uh, constant fidgeting, always on the go, acting as if you're driven by a motor, okay, or excessive talking, always interrupting people, right? That's some of the general symptoms of hyperactivity. For inattention, it'd be more like, a, you know, always missing details, struggling to manage tasks, prone to forgetfulness in everyday tasks, easily distracted. So these are some of the more common ones, I would say. You know, I did a ADHD story some years back. It was a, on adult ADHD. And this guy was saying that uh, one of the, he didn't know he had ADHD, right? But he was reading about it and he realized that actually he was hyper-focusing but on the wrong stuff, right? Uh-huh. I don't know whether that's one of the key things that, you know, maybe children have and that's something to look, look out for. Understand. Uh, hyper-focus is what they call the ADHD superpower because, right. you know, used rightly, it can make you an expert in a very short period of time because you're just so into something, right? Um, on the other hand, though, hyper-focus used wrongly for example, gaming, right? You can yeah. hyper-focus <laughs> on it. can actually uh, be quite um, you know, bad in terms of other aspects of your life. You, you miss out on a lot if you're focusing on the wrong thing. But yes, hyper-focus is one of the traits. The unfortunate thing is, you know, people always assume ADHD is to do with not having enough attention, right? An attention mm-hmm. deficit. But actually, it's an abundance of attention until they don't know how to focus on what to focus on, see? So when they can see someone hyper-focusing, it's like, hey, you know, you have no problem focusing on Actually, it's because, you know, it is, again, it's not the issue of having too little focus. It's not knowing what to focus on because there's so many interesting things around, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's something to look out for, right? Like hyper-focusing <laughs> but on the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think many of us have that issue though, whether it's ADHD <laughs> or not. So the, the other thing that was interesting is that Dr. Edward Hallowell, he actually said that we should call ADHD a different name and he wants to call it VAST, V-A-S-T, uh, Variable Attention Stimulus Trait, because he says we should call it a trait, not a disorder, because um, you know it removes stigma. And also a lot of people have traits. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of how much impairment right, that people have. Some yeah. lesser and some more. Um, and in that case, people don't feel that, you know, they're embarrassed to go and seek help. That's true. Um, Less stigma, yeah. actually. Yeah, it hasn't really taken on yet. But, you know, this is what he's been saying for a couple of years now. And actually, you know, I was uh, speaking on a panel recently. And one of the things that the panelists were saying that, you know, sometimes you have to do have a waiting list in terms of seeing a professional. So while you're waiting, right, you can always self-help. Read more, right? Do some of the things that you read about. You know, like say having a timer, putting on alarms, right? Having an accountability buddy. These are some other things that we can use to cope better. Mm -hmm. Oh, and these tips are on your website? Yes, we have them on our website too. Mm, And definitely if they were to join a support group. um, For ADHD Awareness Month, which is this month, we actually have a lot of events and free webinars lined up. And, you know, we're going to have at least three sessions for adults adult ADHD, which is not very common in Singapore in terms of the conversations. So please you know, join us, come to our website, unlockingadhd.com to find out more. We're also going to have two professional panels where we're going to invite the psychiatrists and psychologists and all those involved in our diagnosis and management to come on board the panel so that you really have everything in one place and you can ask the questions too. So we will have one for adults as well as one for children and teens. I see. Okay, that'll be interesting actually. 
Yeah, I think adult yeah. ADHD, that's not very, I mean, you don't really often hear of them. Yes, because the misconception is that you grow out of it, but that is not the case. Um, in terms of the incidence, though, worldwide, the incidence is about 5%, and adults mm-hmm. probably about 2.8%. But again, we're talking about, you know, a lot of these are like diagnosed cases. It's a lot of undiagnosed floating around. So no one really has a very clear number on all these cases yet. Right. Interesting. But also for adult ADHD, I mean, I've heard some people say that, you know, by the time you are, what, 40, 50, 60, you know, you've kind of like learned to cope with it. So there's no need to get a diagnosis. You know, some people would think that, you know, I'm already 40, 50, right? What's the point of getting diagnosed now, right? You know, how much can my life change? And I can tell you, it can change for a lot because people are living longer nowadays. And if you can improve your quality of life or just your self-acceptance and self-confidence, right? Especially if all these... um harm or shame that you lived with all these years was due to, you know, undiagnosed ADHD. I think it's really worth it. This is priceless. Yeah, I agree. Thanks a lot for your time, Moonlake, and thanks for helping us understand ADHD. Well, you're most welcome, Joyce. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been quite a lot of fun for me. I hope you had fun too. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Search for Street Times Health Check, like us and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.